Ken, can you hear me? I can oh. hear myself on the phone. You can't hear yourself? I can't. Can you hear me? Hello? 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 Yeah. I can. Hello? Yes. It's good. All right. Turn me up in the headphones. It's recording. We are recording. Okay. Today's episode is... I just said it. I know it's uh, same stupid, different generation. Why didn't we get caught? Yes. And so I imagine this has to do with us feeling that this younger generation is all doing these stupid things, eating Tide Pods and uh, making poor decisions, when the truth is young people have always eaten stupid things and made stupid decisions. Yes. Do you think that's true? Um... Well, I I think it's harder now to make the same dumb mistakes that we made before because there are greater consequences. There's a larger audience. The stuff we did, we didn't record. Mm -hmm. We didn't fear that somebody would record because the quality would be terrible. 1980, 1990. Well, which brings us to like the Freaknik documentary that's coming out. You know, there's a whole lot of jokes that there's like grandmas and aunties that's going to be in big trouble and got to explain a whole lot. But but even still, uh, yeah, um, they they couldn't fathom how big the audience would be back then mm-hmm. when the cameras came out, because there was there wasn't there was no Girls Gone Wild back then, which even the Girls Gone Wild kind of caught that cusp in between mm-hmm. where camcorders were for home consumption. Mm-hmm. Not the idea of these things being sold out. And so Girls Gone Wild caught a lot of people that thought this was going to be private. Do our kids know better? Do our kids know that they don't have a privacy? I think they learn it earlier than we did. Okay. I think that they learn that what they do has has greater consequences. And... I don't know. It's, it, that's a that's a tough one, because even even now I have to explain to my child that what she puts on the internet can affect her twenty years down the road. Yeah, and that it's there forever. Mm-hmm. And both these things are difficult to explain to somebody who's only been on the earth fourteen years. Mm-hmm. Should there be greater protections for young people? Should there be things that we're putting in place to make sure that they have space to be young and stupid and it doesn't come back to bite them? Is that something we should collectively be working to gift our children? I don't know how we can do it. Well, some of it is. I I think the devices know how old our kids are now. Like Mm -hmm. the algorithms are pretty good. There's no way that the algorithms don't know that they're dealing with children. But nine times out of 10, it's not their device that's going to do the damage. They're going to say or do something stupid that their friend is going to record. Right. But it's still a peer device. So if the peer devices, you know, if a phone knew that a 14 year old was holding me and during school hours 
maybe it doesn't let you record anything to the cloud. We've just decided that as a group. Whatever is recorded between 8 o'clock and So that would include live. Anything nope. can't, yeah. can't go live. Can't go Your live. Your audience can't be. Mm-hmm. These hmm. things just won't. The phones won't do it. Hmm. And then we could do the same thing in a gap from, I don't know, 9 o'clock until 8 in the morning. I don't know, man. There's a workaround. I mean, there's always there's, a there's, workaround. There's always going to be a workaround. There's always going to be a workaround. And I don't think you can ever fix something 100%. Mm-hmm. But could we fix it 80%? I think we could try. Is it worth trying? Or is it better to just fight this fight individually? I think we're going to have to go to edit individually. Um, we, we're just going to have to educate our kids. Make them more aware. How do we educate kids on something we don't understand? We have a better understanding than they do. Uh, do you know how a streak works? What, on Snapchat? Yeah. Or why it's important? Not really. I don't either. Like, but, how but, can I, we... I, but I do understand that... What you put on that streak can affect you 20 years down the road. And it, but it also can infect you immediately. There is a, a I was, remember watching this thing on, on YouTube where this mother was helping her daughter run her YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And her daughter would put, wear clothes like she was a fashion channel because a kid liked clothes. But the mom knew that when she wore outfits that were skimpier, her view counts went up. Right. So now there's this scary space where the innocent part of the job of her showing off these fashions, of being excited about it, of building an audience, of being an actual kind of junior business person. It's all good and it's all still exists, but it still exists inside of this world where there are creepy people. In mass, enough to impact her numbers. It's not like one or two creepy dudes. It's enough creepy people to impact her view count. Ooh, I'm not willing to sell my soul for that. Is he selling her soul? I, some of the problem is this is what her daughter's into. So now you have one of two choices. Uh, well, is she into it with mom or is she into it without mom? Because she's into it. She likes fashion. But is she willing to change what she's doing to, in order to get that viewership? Because ultimately, she's changing her habits in order to get viewership. Does this mean that this child is going to participate in wearing skimpier outfits in order to get more viewerships? I can't give into that. And, and I, I saying that, I think, gets to be really important even for, for this. Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the things you're going to find is when we start publishing this. We start putting out episodes. The episodes that deal with hard, biting issues, mm-hmm. divisive issues, will garner more interest. But the truth is, most of the world ain't divisive. Problems only occur every once in a while. So if we're depending on scary, hard issues that happen... Locally, in Franklin County, once every two years, how do you keep an audience? 
except to either rehash old things because it's exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. She knows viewership goes up when she wears the skimpy outfits. So do we lean more towards skimpy outfits or do we just wear what we like and every once in a while we like a skimpy outfit? All of us are facing that particular issue if we're going to start public pushing ourselves into the social world. I agree, but I also feel like we are old enough to make that decision. I'm not willing to throw my child into that world yet. What made us? If, so is if it my, just if age? My, if my child enjoys wearing, you know, full outfits and then, you know, the occasional. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't even go as, as far as to say skimpy, but maybe shows a little more skin. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm OK with it, but I don't want her to change because she knows that it will get her more viewership. Uh, because she's not ready for that. How do you prepare her for that? Because not changing who you are mm-hmm. to be better at a job, to be more interesting, to be more accepted. But you're not asking her to be more interesting. You're asking her to play into <laughs> a broader audience not, <laughs> ah, there's a difference damn it and I'm not exposing my child to it <laughs> well I, I'd say taking it off your child and putting it back onto our shoulders mm-hmm. is exactly the same issue so you say well I'm old enough like is there just an age where you say oh well this person can handle it like I, yes um at 13, no, they're not ready to handle that. But I, I and, and I have a 13-year-old and I have an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. And the, the difference mentally and in their understanding of the world is totally different. An 18-year-old, at my age especially, an 18-year-old feels very young. Like, I, I well, can't but, see but 18-year-olds to, making con- much better decisions. Than a 13-year-old? Not not drastically. Oh, man. If you think about, if we, we talked about the girls going wild in the last one. Most of those folks were 18. Yes, but also, I will say that these 18-year-olds are a lot smarter than we were at 18. Yes. They have access to way more information than we had. Yes. I didn't know stuff because I didn't feel like having to go to a library, finding an encyclopedia, and getting the answer. These kids will pull out their phone and tell you you're wrong. (laughs) But I don't know that access to information makes you any wiser. Knowing what to do with that information is what makes you wiser. Because the big problem I, I deal with with a lot of kids as a teacher is they will tell me something that's true, but is not applicable. So they'll tell me, oh man, you can make money on YouTube I can say somebody can make money on YouTube. I've heard you talk. It ain't you. You can, but it's going to be work to get you from where you are currently to that status of making money. And so see, just I think, having I an think answer that they would help. know better than you do. That if they knew better, they'd be doing better. Mm-hmm. I think the evidence is always what you have active. I think if they really wanted to do it, they would be able to um 
I think that that person wasn't really into it when they expressed that they could. That's that's the same like saying I could be a doctor. I'm not going to do what it takes to be a doctor. I feel like that was the same statement that 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 student gave you. But somebody who was really interested in becoming a YouTuber. They know what it entails. But I think that's where you get back to the same issues of the skimpy outfits. Somebody who really wants to do a fashion site Mm -hmm. is going to have to put in the work. They're going to have to deal with the lows of not many people watching. They're going to deal with the highs, despite the skimpy of the outfits. Somebody who just wants views, which is all of us. Mm -hmm. All of us want that popularity. Just going to go for the skimpy outfits. Hmm. So... If you've got somebody that has access to, the, to YouTube, knows it can create popularity. Took the long way on that one. Oh, that scared me. So I feel like I got to describe what just happened. Yes, you do. So my, my youngest daughter, the gymnast, came in to hug me and say goodbye. Cause, good night. Goodbye. Good night because it's 9 o'clock. It's usually when I put her to bed. And we've got a step stool with three steps and a little handle thing on it. And instead of walking past the step stool, she climbed the three steps. Way too easy. Put both feet on the top handle and then jumped off of it. And I couldn't do anything but stop and gasp. <laughs> I'm mad you sat there and just watched the whole thing take place. Like, hmm. we'll see how this plays out. <laughs> the problem is she's so much like me except brave. Mm-hmm. So climbing that ladder is a very Darnell thing. Mm-hmm. But Darnell would have climbed back down the ladder and walked in. So climbing up the ladder and then jumping off, I wasn't ready for the jump. (laughs) (laughs) But I could very much see me being somewhere and going, ooh, ladder. But then going, okay. And so she catches me off guard with her bravery. Uh, (laughs) I don't know know sometimes when to stop her because I'm like, I would climb the ladder. Oh, oh man. Yeah, that one broke my concentration. We're at 25 minutes, so we got five to close. And we were last concerned about giving them the opportunity to make the right decisions in social media, whether or not just simply hitting a certain age is going to help create that right decision space. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I honestly, I think that that will play a role in their decision. Um I think that they that will play a factor in them in their attention on creating the channel or if if they decide to be a YouTuber. They they've already factored that in. Um if if they they plan on starting a podcast, they know that they have to have so much controversy. I feel like the kids already know. Uh, and hopefully my kid won't be one of those <laughs> I don't know, because I've got two very different kids. Mm-hmm. The, the one that just jumped off the ladder, she's known what she's wanted to do since she was four, six. I don't know. But, like, came in yesterday and watched her, caught her watching dentist's videos of, like, cleaning teeth. And she'll talk to me like, ah, you know, he's using a number four tool. I'm like, I don't know what this stuff is. So your daughter wants to be a dentist. She wants to be a dentist, okay. and she knows it. If she starts a YouTube channel, it won't be a YouTube channel. It'll be a dentistry channel on YouTube. Mm. My oldest daughter doesn't know any idea and is good at everything. 
Okay. Not great. She's not a champion. She's good. Steps into something, she ain't going to be last. Probably won't be first. And that's a scary space to be in where you're just good at everything because it gets hard to say, this is the thing I want to love. Hmm. And so that's the child that gets scary. Hmm. Because if she starts a YouTube channel, it ain't about anything because it's about everything. Hmm. See, my children are... My oldest is she's she's good at everything. Yeah. But she has to work at it. Okay. My second child, it comes naturally. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to work as hard to be as good. But also she does she knows what she wants to be. She wants to be a lawyer. Okay. And and I guess at this point all we can do is nurture that. Okay. It feels like she's going to have an aptitude towards that. How do you find? How do you find yourself nurturing that? Um, in in the media, we 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 chose to uh, you know uh, give her. We know she likes she likes hearing any stories about Thurgood Marshall. Mm-hmm. It's one of her favorite movies. Um, when whenever we we bring up you know famous. Uh, African-Americans, we, we try to focus on, uh, you know, lawyers and, and, and judges mm-hmm. so so that she can see, you know, people who look like her. It make make sure it's a, it's an attainable goal for her. OK. Have you, you watched the black lady sketch show? I haven't. You, you keep bringing this up. I, I'm going to have to start watching. It. It's worth watching. And there's one, the black lady courtroom, uh, which also may be worth you checking it out first and seeing if she'd like it. Because I think she'd crack up on that. Because I, I feel like it's going to play into a lot of stereotypes. Uh, it plays into what I think has recently been called black joy. And I think that's something worth expressing on this misunderstanding. Well, now I have no idea what this is. and You're going to have to explain. Uh, it's often felt that, that black people couldn't celebrate some of the things that we were good at. And what I, I can give one of the best examples. My youngest daughter loves watermelon, <laughs> which I will not allow her to love in front of people. Okay. And yes. so this, one of the scariest incidents was me and my wife having a conversation where she came home and said, Oh, the school's having watermelon for lunch tomorrow. I can't wait. And I'm going, Oh no, you're going to have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, we'll buy you all the watermelon you want when you get home. Well, but then it, then comes the question. She does not have this prejudice built into her. Mm-hmm. Most of the students that she deals with every day also don't have this prejudice in, built into them. Some of the teachers may, some of the cafeteria workers may, but the truth is she and her peer group are good. Do I introduce this prejudice to my daughter? Do I ruin something she enjoys? Um, honestly, I, I've learned, especially with watermelon, uh, when when Black Panther came out, Ryan Coogler mm-hmm. shared a story about his trip to Nigeria. And he had a Nigerian guide who took them out on an expedition. And, you know, it was hot. So he, he stopped. He was like, hey, we're going to take a break. He carefully pulled, goes to his bag and pulls out this mm-hmm. cloth and it's wrapped around some fruit so he's unwrapping it and he pulls out a piece of watermelon and Ryan Cooler kind of laughs he's like and he's like you know why are you laughing he said you know because we have this stereotype in America about black people eating watermelon and 
And his guide told him, you know, why are you laughing? This watermelon, this fruit has enough nutrients to continue our trip. You know, it, it has substance and it has <laughs> and it has enough to hydrate, keep you hydrated. <laughs> you know, this this fruit is life saving. And, and and ever since then, you know, my perception of watermelon has has changed. And and I think that, you know, also looking at, at the roots of, of fried chicken and and all the other mm-hmm. stereotypes and, and and where it came from. These these are our stuff that we brought with us. Yes. From from Africa, and, and we're we're trying to to hide the fact that we enjoyed these around white people. I, I'm I'm learning, you know, that it's still a little difficult to to, yes. to enjoy it around them. But I'm I'm learning to 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 accept it more, and and also share these stories with with people around me. And I think that's what the definition of black joy is. Okay, okay. is learning to revel in even our language, like. The, the code switching that we're so good at is is getting relaxed and having that conversation with your family that you wouldn't have at your office. Yeah. <laughs> with the loud laughing. Um, I love often white comedians will talk about, you know, when they, they've been around black people. And uh, one of my favorite was is like when black people laugh, like we, we relocate, you know, we'll, we'll <laughs> laugh and we'll get up and walk over here and laugh. So, and. <laughs> There is there's an expression of joy that we have in instances that we don't feel comfortable sharing. Mm. And there's a space now that's saying it's okay. Is is laugh loudly. Is relocate yourself if you need to. Enjoy that watermelon. Um, <laughs> eat that fried chicken with your hands instead of a fork and knife and pretending like you're at the business retreat and this is how I always eat this. You know what I mean? Like it's okay that some of those stereotypes about black people, you know, are true. Are true. <laughs> we love watermelon. <laughs> Everyone knows. Uh, I, 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 we, we had this conversation when we went to the uh, trivia night and it was country music mm. and the black table doing the country. And we did better than I thought we were going to do. Oh. We really did well. Oh, we crushed it. We, the last we round. did. And at one point the hosts, you know, were like, uh, this soul singer was the first African-American to perform at the Grand Ole Opry and was like, I know you all know this at the black table, but the truth is we did. We knew it was James Brown and we were excited that we knew. And so that separation between racist and black joy and figuring that space out. And that's what the, that's what that pot, that particular episode hmm is about it's about black females experiencing that black joy uh, okay. in a professional atmosphere because they've all kind of worked hard to get where they're supposed to be and they get a chance to see different levels of black women i'll definitely have to tune in and watch it's, this episode it's an excellent it's an excellent show uh <laughs> where it's where it's i don't know who, whoever's listening the black lady sketch show is amazing okay uh and uh, uh brunson uh, Tika Brunson, uh, uh, Quinta, Quinta, Quinta Brunson, okay. Quinta Brunson w- was a character, did did a character part because it's all sketches, so she played uh, a part in both acting and writing on some of the some of the skits. Okay, uh, I think she was in that one. I don't know. All right, so where are we at on time? Right now we're at uh, coming up about twelve minutes till we got to close. Oh, okay. Well, we got plenty of time. We got plenty of time if you want to talk more about Black Joy, if you want to. 
uh, go into those other racist things that we concern ourselves with about hiding from the larger community. Let's do it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Let's tackle stereotypes. Well, if we're going to tackle stereotypes, the three Tennessee lawmakers got kicked out. Mm. I, I watch a lot of conservative media. Like, I train my algorithm to feed me conservative media. <laughs> and they've been complaining lately because when he was in college, he ran for office. And in his commercial for office, he's like, hi, everybody. I'm, uh-oh. Oh. oh, yes. You want to pause it? Thank you. But I don't know that we can't afford not to record. There it is. All right. So we were last, we, we got interrupted by a delivery that we hadn't quite prepared for. So, uh, but we left off talking about Black Joy talking about is that racist because there are some things now black joy allows us to embrace some of these is that racist instances mm. Ooh, i got a recent one okay um today mm -hmm. we decided to go golfing yes um we had to make a u-turn off of a uh, a highway so <clears throat> we we go to a golf course and it's it's right off the highway. We pull in, and right behind us is a deputy. Now, granted, there's nothing else at this golf course. Only one reason to turn into here is if if you're going into going the golf to course. Go to the golf course. So, you know, we get out of the car and we go to the trunk where we have our, our golf bags, and the cop just as soon as we pull out golf bags, the cop leaves, and so. I, th I think even explaining that the U-turn we made was not like a an illegal U-turn nope. or a strange U-turn, but because the place is on the left side of a two-lane highway, you have to make a left turn at, at a midpoint to get to the other side of the highway. So this is a normal U-turn. Mm -hmm. This is not like a, a, a strange U-turn or anything like that. This is how you get to the other side of the highway. So none of these driving behaviors were abnormal i did not notice the cop behind us i didn't either until we pulled in and i was like you know there's a cop behind us and so he was behind when did so when did you see him behind us I, I thought he was there before we got no there. i noticed him pull in right after we parked so and we pulled right into a parking right. space yeah yeah and then you know behind us is a, is a, a deputy Pulling in to the, the golf course. And he sat there. We pulled out the clubs and he just drove off. Mm -hmm. Do you think we'd have done better talking to him? No. You think we'd have done worse? Yes. Hmm. I've gotten to the point where I'm bold enough where I would be willing to go over and ask. Like, hey, how you doing today, officer? But what are you really doing? Are you trying to de-escalate? Like, hey, you know, I'm supposed to be here, officer. And I don't think I don't think de-escalation would be necessary at that point. At that point, I, he's decided it's not an escalating issue. Mm -hmm. I think it would give him an opportunity to interact with African Americans in a way that's non-threatening mm -hmm. from from however it first started, and it would give us a chance to see what was going on. Was like, did somebody just report a stolen Tesla? You know, <laughs> did uh, <laughs> did he see? 
you know, one of something hanging out in the trunk of the car, and he just wanted to come by and tell us. But as soon as we opened it, he was like, oh, well, they got it now, and he could leave. You know, like what went on would be nice to know. And it would also be nice for him to know we're reasonable people. Do you think you would have gotten an answer? Yes. I don't think so. I, I think we often get answers. I don't think we often listen. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like in a way I did my job to deescalate de- because the first thing I did was pop the trunk and make sure that our golf club clubs were exposed. We're, were exposed. You know, because normally I probably would have just gone straight in and gone to the clubhouse mm-hmm. and drove paid, the card up, to drove a card the- up to get our golf clubs. Mm-hmm. And see, I hadn't, I didn't think about it, but I also didn't see the officer until he was leaving. Mm-hmm. So all of that was a surprise to me. Uh, I thought, I thought he must've been there when we went in. Cause I just, just didn't notice it until he was leaving. I would have been no good if the situation had escalated. <laughs> oh, when'd you get here officer? <laughs> oh, <laughs> which, and I think it, it also depends on the situation. The last time I was pulled over, because when it comes back to would we have gotten the answer, I think mm-hmm. the answer is yes. The last time I was pulled over, I was pulled over because I had a third brake light that was almost out. Now explain this. All right. A third brake light. So my third brake light, when you, you hit the brakes, the one that's in the middle, mm-hmm. it has five light bulbs in it. Okay. And only three of them were burning. So it was working. But mm-hmm. not all of the, I guess, since right. they're just in a line, sequential, they weren't all, there was a they gap. They were not in, all burning. So there was a gap in the brake light. A gap in, no, there was no gap. It's just half of it wasn't lit. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so police officer pulled me over, you know, hello, officer. What, what can I do for you today? Non-threatening. Non-threatening. Blackmail. Black <laughs> and, and this was at the, at the height of the... Um, we were, going, we were going to Black Lives with, Matter. With, with we were going George to Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, and so this happened in West Virginia. Out of state plates late at night. Mm. Police officer gets behind me, follows me for about, I don't know, 10 blocks. Did he ask where you were going? Yes. Flipped his lights on after, you know, I come to a stop. Light turns green. I, I head off, flips his lights on, pulls me over. Pulls me over. He comes by. And, like, I knew we were going on this trip. I knew we were going out late. Like, I got my suit in the window in the passenger, <laughs> back pass, rear passenger, uh, rear suit up so that he has to pass by it. I had one of them shawls, like your graduation stole wrapped <laughs> around the suit. Had my Bible in the front. <laughs> uh, I was trying to look like a pastor. So, Yes, sir. Yes, We're just passing through, sir. Can I pray for you? You know, so he he comes by and he says, you know, do you know why I pulled you over? And I, I think baiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I I do not know. You know, I felt like everything was going OK. I, what happened, officer? And he said, well, you, you, your third brake light's a little dim. So I came to check on it. And uh, same time, the other officer had come up around the other side, around my wife's side. Mm-hmm. Um, so he run plates. Let us keep going. I'm certain I was driving through West Virginia at, you know, three in the morning with out-of-state plates at the height of Black Lives Matter. Everybody had been told out-of-towners were coming in to burn down your neighborhood with Mm -hmm. the Antifas. And that's why I got pulled over. He was checking to see if I was Antifa. Mm -hmm. 
when he told me it was because of a third brake light almost out, at that point I go, okay, I know why you pulled me over. I knew. I knew. So I think they'll tell you the truth. <clears throat> and sometimes the truth comes in the absence of reason. Mm. Okay. Disagree? You, I... I mm. It's still up in the air. We don't know for a fact. He might have been taught to, you know, any anything can be used for a reason to stop. We, we don't know. I, I think we we have our assumptions. We assume, eh, who really gets pulled over for a third brake light? Right. It's because I'm black. But we don't know, man. We don't. And I guess that's the scariest part of racism, really is in most cases you don't know mm-hmm. but does the evidence count is it um james baldwin would say you know i don't know if your schools are racist but i know they don't accept black students at the same level that they accept white students i don't know if your churches are racist but i know he's not allowed in them on sunday mornings i know you know so is the evidence of equal to proof that's tough because we're, we're getting into bias mm-hmm. behaviors in all racism is is bias with power <laughs> <laughs> like if you're sitting in your little uh, hole in the wall somewhere going I hate black people but you really, you ain't got no job to give nobody. You can't take anything. You, you, you're you just biased. You're just prejudiced sitting in a hole. Mm-hmm. But as soon as your prejudice gets up and votes, <laughs> as soon as your prejudice stops going to stores somewhere, as soon as your prejudice refuses to spend money or forces money to go somewhere else, that's when your prejudice becomes racism. Mm-hmm. So your prejudice is okay as long as you don't give it any power. Okay. <sighs> hmm. And we're five minutes past now. So anything good you got or anything you want to lead into next time? I feel like this is one that we can we can elaborate on. We can talk more about. Okay. We we definitely need to come back to this. Um maybe share some more stories. I know we we have plenty of stories to share on this where where we've been pulled over and we automatically assumed that it it was racism. Okay. So the the next episode is is getting pulled over. <laughs> the phone likes it. <laughs> I, you've got more of these stories than I do. I do, but I feel like you've been there for a couple of them. I have. I've been in the passenger seat as as police officers have gotten behind you, run tags, and then changed their minds. Mm-hmm. I was not there the time both of your cars. Had the tags run at the same time because you were driving one and your bro- Sean, our youngest brother, was driving the other and a cop checked one of you and then got between and checked the other one. I wonder how he felt when both of them were registered to the same person. Uh, no telling. I'm- and then here's the other thing. If somebody had just gone to your house and stole both of your cars and he checked them and just left, is that worse? Like, should he have just pulled over and go, hey, is one of you all Brian? Well, well, does it show, like, I guess, owner, black? Does, I, I'm curious. I'd like to know what it, what actually shows up on that computer when they run tags. 
That is owner man. Brian Moore, black male, five foot ten. Does you know what? I I think we need to do an episode at the police department. I agree because I, also I will say that's one thing that deters me from becoming a concealed weapon owner because oh, I know yeah. that 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 is one thing that does show up when they run your tags and that to me that makes me fear being a target. But that's another thing we'll have to get into later. Yes, I, I think that one because I I kind of physically resemble, which also means you do, <laughs> Philando Castile. Yes. Uh, so that that one <laughs> and Bland, my Tressa physically resembles Sandra Bland so there's a lot of things where it's like like it's not fun to see that on on TV somebody that looks like you like looks like you yeah shoot there are several instances the the social worker that oh gosh that got shot while he was with his client I've been in that situation man every every action that that guy took looked like an action you would take like to the point of getting shot and still trying to calm the shooter down. <laughs> and trying to keep his client from getting shot. It's just a train. You just shot me, but it, don't shoot him. He's just got a train and an intellectual disability. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, but definitely, you know, table this for another episode. Okay. All right. Let's tune in the can. That's misunderstood. When time descends like an old stage curtain on the back of my eyelids, I've Give me a savior that takes me away.